ask anybody's question but yours. You're an idiot. And really a disloyal person. What's up, guys? We're back with the Disloyal Idiots podcast. Syracuse somehow made it to a bowl. What's going on in the world? I'm Christian Guzman, joined by Steve Howard and Andy Pregler. What happened? I don't know, but we have all three of us here. and That's also a miracle in and of itself. And on time. <laughs> I'm not I, sure I, I think this is what happens when the Syracuse football podcast gets to talk about coaching searches. Like we get one of these every six years or so. We, we, we really got to make them count. I just want to talk longer than usual. Nine for this. I mean, there's a whole lot of the stuff that we're about to get into in terms of rumors and what we think might happen, what we're hearing might happen. Clearly um, Mark Stoops is going to Syracuse. <laughs> but the the general the, the general vibe that I'm getting around here is that somehow there are there are a not insignificant portion of the population that got a successful football season in terms of a bowl game and got rid of Dino Babers is something that they wanted from the beginning of the season. And, and somehow we're here and I'm not upset about how this season went. I think it's like disappointing in some regards, but we're going to go to probably a bowl game that I will have the ability to travel to because it'll be along the Eastern seaboard cough, cough, make the military bowl happen. Uh, but Right, but not this to be confused about the Armed Forces Bowl, which I got very confused about. <laughs> Wait, there's an Armed Forces Bowl and a, mar- and yes, a military bowl, and they're two different things? The Armed Forces yes. Bowl mm-hmm. is held in Texas at TCU Stadium. So that one's much less traveled. Is that not the First Responders Bowl? Or is that did the First Responders Bowl get, get turned into the Armed Forces Bowl? Or are they three different bowls that we're talking about now? You might be talking about three different bowls. Uh, let's see. First responders did confirm that the uh, armed forces is the Texas one. First responders okay. bowl. Sir Pro first respond responders bowl uh, is in Dallas. Yes, uh, we are indeed talking about three different bowls. <laughs> yep. Welcome to bowl season again. Eighty-two teams made it, and only seventy-nine of them were actually eligible to make it. So first responders is at S- or SMU. Uh, armed forces is at TCU. Uh, and military is military. Who wants to pitch for the Penstripe Bowl to run it run it back this season? Because five and seven of Minnesota made it on APR. Look, all I'm saying is that Syracuse should go to a bowl somewhere where I can take a train to go there. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Selfish reasons. Well, you've got all well, you've got three options, and one of them's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Um, do we want to talk about the Wake Forest game or do we want to talk about the news that just got tweeted out on the News Magician Twitter account? Uh, that news is unconfirmed and still very much in the air, so let's not talk about that. Okay, let's talk about the Wake Forest game. Syracuse beats Wake Forest. They go to a bowl game. whoop de doo uh, Guys, I watched this bowl game today because I was driving yesterday and I chose to listen to Ohio State Michigan on the radio instead of Syracuse Wake Forest. Uh, for a lot of different reasons, but I thank you, YouTube TV, not a sponsor, but please sponsor us. DVR'd that crap and loved feeling like a click, like a coach in the old school ESPN room where I was just like forwarding and rewinding things super aggressively. Uh, love, love that control. But I think the biggest takeaway that I had from that game was that it is kind of amazing what happens when it appears that Beck got the reins completely taken off of him because there were some play sequencing. There were some play calls. There were some deep shots. Schrader's arm and Schrader's health is clearly something that has not been right since middle of the season. But even 75% Schrader was doing the things that we really liked that Robert and I was installing early in the season where you know, the, the touchdown to Alford slant over the middle set up by coming out in a run look that they had established previously in previous snaps. Um, there, his interception, a typical Garrett Schrader fashion, 
he had a wide open guy that he was probably supposed to look at first and then made the wrong read and threw the pick. Um, but another really well-designed play on, on defenders. What was that? <laughs> threw the pick into three to five defenders. Yeah, exactly. And meanwhile, there was an open guy in the flat where all the defenders were going into the middle of the field, which I feel like was the play design. Um, <laughs> but regardless, it was really interesting to kind of see the whole game play out and see the offense look like it was supposed to look. And I don't know if that's partially like, I think it's things can be two things. Wake's defense is very bad. And uh, the Jason Beck play calling and, and offense felt a little bit more true to form this week than it had in any other week, not uh, weeks one through four. And yeah, so it definitely feels like, especially that uh, there, there was something that probably, and I think this is just the evolution of Beck's offense because it's been reported that Beck was the main guy who installed the offense uh, for the pit game. And so it feels like this was Beck taking full control of the offense the way that he wanted it to run instead of having another bit of outside influence. And 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 Nunzio Campanelli basically came out in the press conference after the game and said that like he was basically just a game management guy in terms of, you know, like calling timeouts and stuff like that and, you know, go forward or whatnot. And all the rest of the offensive play calling and defensive play calling was on Jason Beck and Rocky Long. Like the those were the guys calling the shots in that facet of the game. And I, and that definitely felt like a more free-flowing game from Syracuse. And yes, this also does have to go with the fact that Wake has a bottom two pass defense in the country. So that is that is also part of the reason. I mean, not in the country, sorry, in the conference. Yeah. Uh, but point still remains. Yeah. I don't know. That game was weird. Really weird. Like, Can you elaborate, Steve? I, everything. No, let's move Literally. on. No, I mean, it was one of those games where every time something happened, I'm like, really? Okay. Like, Schrader somehow magically can throw again. Uh, albeit, you know, at least two of those touchdown passes should not have been caught against good defenses or dropped because they were way behind the receiver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, Dan Valari throws a dime to <laughs> David Alford. Yeah. Damian they, they, Alford decided that the last game of the season was the game that he would finally learn how to play the slot. Yeah, why not? What the hell? Um, yeah, it's the whole, like the offense in itself. You know, we saw they didn't take the cheese up to 11. They like took what we had seen and kind of also massaged it into a real offense which was nice, uh, but also the defense forgot how to defense sometimes. And I, like, what, how, how was that game? How was that game? That game? <laughs> uh, well, they, they played zone again. Help me, yes. please. And, right. and, um, and I, I think the only like difference from this, from this game was that Isaiah Johnson and Jaden Bellamy were getting a bit more beat than usual. Um, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, the defense is what we kind of expected, and then and it's and it's been the story of the defense this entire season. You gash them for a couple of big plays, and it'll eventually they'll eventually drop. And it's going to always be bend or break. That was essentially what the last drive was: yeah. a lot of bending but not breaking. And when Wake Forest got momentum, it was through it was through big plays and chunk plays and explosive plays. And that was mainly due to soft zone coverage or Johnson and Bellamy getting beat one-on-one. Yeah, I think, I think the secondary is a level of concern going into next season. Um, Obviously there's going to be a lot of changes happening uh, with the, the who's deciding to put the roster together. But with, you know, we never really saw miles farmer this year and, and he's entered the portal Jeremiah Wilson continues to be a giant mystery wrapped in an enigma who's also hitting the portal. And I don't expect him to be back uh, with, with the orange next year. And the, the secondary this year, I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous to say, but under Dino Babers, the secondary has had at least one NFL guy back there every season. 
And this year it was really apparent when you don't have an NFL guy back there, just how teams can attack and, and really defeat Syracuse because passing is the name of the game in the ACC. And without having that level of shutdownness on either one side of the field with a corner or, or having a do it all safety who can kind of change the way that a quarterback reads the field, especially deep downfield is something that this defense was really lacking this year. And we saw in a few games, especially against great competition and against great quarterbacks. But I think this game, like this was a wake team that really did not, that struggled to pass protect and Syracuse was able to take advantage of that multiple times, but on the times that they did get a clean pocket or they ran some really good, good passing concepts and some good route trees, you, you saw the, like Christian, like you were saying, Syracuse felt like they had to be in zone in order to bend and not break. And there were just a couple of times where like these, these defensive backs are just not good at coverage. Like I'm, I'm thinking of the pass interference on, um, I believe it was Jones um down the uh, sideline the where yeah i think yeah it was on johnson um I, johnson there we go oh, yeah it and i i think steve said this in the slack it looks like pi live but on replay it was oh, like it definitely was not it was definitely not pi so yeah kind of a rough I, call yeah. there. live i really thought i was like oh he got flagged and then they showed the replay i'm like that was a perfect like that was perfect coverage yeah Right. And I think I think that Johnson has done this all year where like you can see his technique is really strong. Like he is somebody who I can imagine being an NFL practice squad guy just because coaches are going to love the fact that he is going to basically be the example of how to do things. It's just he doesn't have, you know, he came from Dartmouth. He doesn't have that athleticism. He doesn't necessarily have the foot speed one on one. And you saw that Wake was pretty aggressive with targeting his side of the field. Um, because they thought that they could exploit that that advantage. And I think that there were a couple times this year where that was the case. And it stinks for Syracuse that like your number one corner is someone who's so great at technique but can't necessarily hang with the the NFL level talent that you're gonna see in the conference day in and day out. And so I understand why Rocky Long might then say, okay, well, we're gonna go to a zone, but it was just it was just really apparent that this defense is not very good at zone coverage. Um this is a defense that has predominantly relied on man coverage or should rely on more man coverage in the past. And, and, you know, they won the game, but it's, it was nice that they beat. if you look back at Syracuse's season, they probably should have beat Georgia tech, but Georgia tech's going bowling game was on the road. That's a coin flip, you know, Virginia tech on the road, tough environment. They shouldn't have lost the way that they did, but they beat Pitt, who's really bad in the ACC. They beat Wake, who's really bad in the ACC. And they played four very soft non-conference opponents. And they won those four games. Like, I feel like John Casillo is out there somewhere going, like, this is the recipe. Like, this is how you make a, a bad Syracuse team look good. This is what you do for years until the infrastructure is in place to actually help make the jump from 6-6 six and six to 8-4 and four consistently. It's and, why like, I don't think... <laughs> it's why I think a lot of people are not going to be surprised if Wake goes 8-4 and four again next year. Because this is a Wake team that have made seven straight bulls. This is their first year since uh, – one of their first years since Dorian – or Clawson, Steve and I get this mixed up all the time. Um, it's their first year since – one of their first <laughs> years since Clawson that they're not going bowling. And I don't think any of us are going to be surprised um, or even are shocked. And I think all of us kind of expect Wake to be back – up to at least a mid-table ACC team next year. And so when you can build that type of consistency like Clawson has done, expecting to go to a bowl at least every single year, this is what you get, and this is the kind of program that you built. And I think a lot of people are going to expect Wake to at least be competitive next year. Yeah, it's and the the NC Daves uh, definitely give, give Christian and I a bit of a... Uh, trouble trying to discern between the two of them um but they're, yeah they're almost the same person it's i mean i believe they both were mac coaches before mm-hmm. uh were they also both bowling green quo was uh, the, no I think was the bowling green 
Clawson was Bowling Green. Doran was Northern Illinois. Don't know if my old yes, Mac- Northern Illinois. Yeah, Maxion. <laughs> yeah, which is why uh, Syracuse should get Jason Candle, but you know, yeah, we'll, why not? we'll save that talk for a bit. Yeah, that's that'll be after halftime. Um, I don't know this game. I'm I'm extremely glad they were able to go out on top in the dome. Um, very uh, classy from the team and classy from uh, former former head coach Dino Babers uh, on Twitter as well. Uh, shouting out all the seniors and uh, I believe what was his uh, his quote grandpa was watching every play um but it, it seemed like it was a, a fitting way for some of these seniors to go out uh, at least getting another W in the dome so glad to see that um overall it's just it's been a weird ass year folks <laughs> we've been here through it all and it's just I don't I don't know where from a football standpoint what this roller coaster was that we just rode I mean, the, the, I think the word that comes to mind and is really frustrating because I think that you like, it's a very apathetic season because ultimately Syracuse is going to back-to-back bowls, something it hasn't done since I was a junior in college, which was a long time ago. And that in itself should be celebrated and should be significant. But the way that we got here has been like, it started so high. It got so low. We're about to talk about coaching carousel because the Syracuse job is in fact open. And there is a variety of different names getting passed around in that conversation. And it just feels like no matter what happens, we know that the biggest players of this roster are probably moving on due to graduation um and we're unclear what next year's team's going to look like and we probably like super frustrating for podcasters here we're probably not going to know what this team's going to look like for next year until the third week of fall ball like i think that that's like especially in the know, way that we didn't new... know what this team looked like until after the virginia tech game true very true that is that is also very true so yeah, I feel like it's just uh, also, one of these also just where... to go with like parallels and like you know transverse property time is a flat circle. Remember, ten years ago was also the back-to-back bowls to really like pinpoint the actual time, twenty twelve and twenty thirteen. This time it's twenty two and twenty three. Let's not repeat what we did ten years ago in twenty four. The schedule should allow you to not do that. Please. And I think well, we're also not promoting a completely unqualified defensive coordinator as our head coach. Yet we don't know that. <laughs> I mean, at least Rocky Long would be qualified. Yeah. This, this is this is true. So so no matter what, this cannot happen. Either Jason Beck or Rocky Long technically would be qualified. Oh I, man, I, I I think the guy that Andy's talking about is qualified. Let's put it that way. I mean, I I do think that there's a few, I mean, we'll get into it in a second, but like there's a few names in this list that I think are more qualified than others. But like here's but here's the thing, like I will I tell you everybody I will point. tell you the one big qualified name that a lot of people are talking about, I am very much against. And so I'm going I, to not be happy if, you, it, if you that happens both. to be the case. Good. Well, I think I think you and me both. But like I think I just to kind of put a bow on on what Steve was kind of getting at here with this season. Syracuse finishes the year 68th in SP plus that is nowhere near the heights that they finished like under the peak of Dino. And even some of those mid tier Dino teams that didn't make a bowl were in the low forties, high fifties. This is probably towards the bottom of Dino's teams in terms of like SP plus, but across the board, like 81st in offense, that's the lowest offensive uh, SP plus rating uh, since the 2020 season. 52nd on defense that's one of the highest sp plus ratings under dino babers in his entire tenure at syracuse and in general as a college football coach um and then 67th in special teams an area that previously syracuse used to be a perennial top 30 team they've now just kind of drifted back to the pack 
uh, with everybody else in, in special teams. And I think like when you look at that resume of that team and you say, look, this team's going to go six, go six and six. You'd think you'd be talking about like a Mac team or a Sunbelt team or an American team that just, you know, finished middle of its yeah. conference. And instead we're talking about a Syracuse team that they don't won two ACC games. <laughs> don't disrespect the Sunbelt. The Sunbelt has the most teams out of any conference going bowling this year. Look, the oh. Sunbelt's a fantastic conference. I like, I, I was listening to a podcast earlier today that was talking about how the Sunbelt's probably the like has probably supplanted the Mac in terms of the next conference after the power five, um, which is, that's a, that's an off season conversation we can have with some real college football sicko, sicko shit here. Uh, but, but the, good, good, good. but like in general, like if I look at like, you know, Georgia tech finished 69th, nice. And SP plus nice. like one score game that we probably should have won. Um, you know, Oh, uh, we didn't play Ohio this year, but Ohio's at 74th. Like, I'm just going down and looking at some of the teams. BC 81st, a game we probably should have won. We beat Army, who's at 80 at 82. Pitts at 87. Purdue's at 90th. Like, you we did what we were supposed to do. Yeah, but if we flip that stupid and we beat BC and we beat Georgia Tech like we should have, then you're eight and four. Dino's got a uh an extension and this is a completely different season yeah like, but like how how is this this season was so so i don't even know this season so weird this season it turned down like andy started this podcast with as we expected and probably the best situation that could have happened for mostly every party involved syracuse making a bowl once again making a definitive decision about their head coach, which signals the intent of the program. Because you could, at, at least, while John Wildhack came out in his, in his press conference last Monday to say that the target was 7-5. and five. And once Dino didn't make that target, he was, he was immediately gone. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. And so, at the very least, I'm at least glad that Wildhack was able to Say, here's your target, meet it, or you're leaving. And that's good, at least that he's got intentions of, yes, you're either our guy or not. And based on what you do with what you have, you got to do it. And unfortunately, yes, were there unfortunate circumstances with injuries? Yes, definitely. But as we mentioned on this pod a lot, a good head coach not only built his program to mitigate those injuries, but can coach around those injuries as well to get the wins necessary against the competition they should. And Dino didn't do that. And that's why we're in this situation right now. Did his team deserve to go bowling? Yeah, probably based on the talent that was on it. But was Dino the right head coach for the future based on what we saw this season? Not know so much anymore. And so I think, at least for the Syracuse football program, this was the best scenario that could have happened. A, yeah. a bowl to signal, yes, we are still a competitive program, but we're going to look for a head coach to take us to at least the next step of being a solidly over 500 program for the next few years. And that might be the next biggest thing is, you know, we're going into a coaching search. People always bitch and moan about it on the, uh, in the sense that, uh, they don't want to see Syracuse as a stepping stone. And in all honesty, I think all three of us are in agreement of let's make Syracuse that stepping stone because that means we're improving. If, if people are using Syracuse as a stepping stone, that means things are getting better. Like nobody's taking a middling six and outside of, you know, Doug Marone and what happened with him. Nobody's taking a relatively, you know, middle of the pack record in uh, ACC football and turning it into a you know resume builder if somebody's getting coached say, that means they're doing good <laughs> yeah, yeah i think like right now like if you look back at what syracuse has been it is a it is a dead end coaching job it is the last spot that you go like until the three of us get our hands on a new ea, EA college football game <laughs> and turn it into a powerhouse in five years oh 100%. exactly but but like right now like you look at like scott schaefer hasn't had an hc 
job since Syracuse and never really got back to a P5 de- defensive coordinator level. Is he still with Middle you Tennessee? Know? I think he is. I believe he's still with Middle Tennessee and like again, not Power Five. Um, you, you're looking at you're looking at a job that if you're trying, and again, this is a great segue into the next conversation that we're going to have. But like, if you're looking at, at pushing this job. To- And we've lost Andy. Hey, Christian, how we doing? Good. So, if okay. you're watching this live, Andy's yeah. not. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's it's kind of yeah. I, it's tough because I think a lot of fans want the big name name, but like. Andy said was going to say before uh, uh, the, the NYC internet god said no um, was like it's this is a job that needs time to get built and someone has to be willing to come in and build that job and we might as well get into it um, actually let's not get into it let's not, let's take a little bit of a halftime break while Andy figures out his internet um, and thank our sponsors for this podcast. Our great sponsors at Home Field Apparel. Indeed. Of course, as always with Home Field Apparel, you can go to Home Field. At least they're, uh, Home Field is actually doing some great things right now. I'm hope I'm not sure if it's still up, but on Friday they were doing their Black Friday deal by using um, uh, by giving fans uh, shoppers twenty percent off their first Home Field order using a special Black Friday code on Home Field Apparel. So you can go to homefieldapparel.com. Yep. Still going. So use that Black Friday code on homefieldapparel.com. Get 20% off your order. And on all the other times that it's not Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend, you can use the code NUNES23, that's nuns 23 for 10% or ten percent off your very first order with Home Field Apparel. Get many, many cool things like the auto uh, sweatshirt that Andy is currently wearing, like the Cuse jacket that is right here the cute bomber jacket which is very very comfortable and is actually very very warm um even on cold days like today in the northeast you get the beautiful script on the back you get the auto uh mascot on the and the uh icon logo spot so go to home field apparel Use yep. their Black Friday code this weekend. And for all other weekends, use the code NUNES23 for 10% so, off your order. So if you're one of the schools that got the retro snapbacks, I hate mm-hmm. you all. Yes. Uh, we got mm-hmm. a pretty cool dad hat. But uh, <laughs> my gigantic noggin, as you can see by the hat I'm wearing, uh, does not fit in a dad hat. Uh, the classic snapback style always works extremely well. And these are absolutely amazing. Um, it looks like it was what Arizona, Michigan, Indiana, because of course, Louisville, UCLA, Georgetown. Come on, come on, really? And Memphis. Um, so if you're a fan of one of those schools and for some reason are listening to our halftime of our podcast, uh, then go pick those up because they're really good looking, especially that UCLA one. If I had any inkling of a fandom there, the UCLA. Like, what's that? The UCLA hat pairs really well with the bomber jacket. They've got that on the Instagram ad for Black Friday. Like, oh yeah. If you want, if if you want to, if you want to look real cool, like wear those two things together. Like UCLA is a team that if could perform strictly on uh, good looks, they would be a top five team every single year across all sports. <laughs> Lucky for all of us, that's not the case. No, um, it's really oh, funny. Wait. Uh, they got a wavy bomber jacket, yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. Got thought yeah. about it, thought about it. My across the hall neighbors, <laughs> uh, went to Tulane and one they saw me in my home field Tulane shirt and they just kind of looked at me and I was like, long story, love the mascot. And they're like, get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you now have to find a slippery rack alum to uh 
<laughs> oh, I already found that. I work with an engineer whose partner went to uh, Slippery Rock and is from the area. So yeah, I wore that to a to a work stand up uh, meeting one time, and uh, they just kind of looked at me and was like, "Why are you wearing this?" And I'm like, "Ah, see, t-shirt company." <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to run into somebody from UC Irvine uh, with the Zot shirt. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna find. Uh, you'll find a lot of those schools, though, on Syracuse's schedule for next year, which is like, I think the point that I wanted to wrap up here before we go into the coaching search, the opponents that Syracuse will be playing next year on the 2024 schedule include Ohio, Army, Holy Cross, UConn, BC, Cal, NC State, Pitt, Georgia Tech, Miami, Stanford, Virginia Tech. Now, most of those not, schools, I did not realize we played Holy. We played Holy Cross next year. This would be so, all time shithousery. So most of these schools have fantastic home field apparel collections. Most of these schools finished below Syracuse this year in SP plus to be exact. All but three of those schools finished below Syracuse in SP plus this year. So again, we know there's going to be massive roster turnover at all of these schools because of the portal, because of NIL, what what have you. My point is, whatever decision Syracuse makes going into next year, like what I was able to hear Christian talk about but wasn't able to participate in because my Wi-Fi was being terrible, like Wildhack is going to be able to point to this next HC and say, look, bowl game, minimum. Because that schedule is soft, man. And you need to build momentum before the 2025 schedule kicks in. And we go from playing on be- we go from playing beginner mode to playing Heisman level uh, difficulty and continue our NCAA parlance. <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know what the 25 slate looks like, uh, UConn Army at Notre Dame, at Clemson, at Georgia Tech, at Miami, at SMU, hosting BC, Duke, UNC, and Pitt. And also, we start oh. that year in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Neutral site against Tennessee. <laughs> Week zero, baby. Yeah. For, for some reason, that is not listed on FB schedules. So, yeah. It's, um, yeah, the 2025 schedule is is remarkably terrifying. And I think that this is, a like, what we were talking about before get like this is why you need to stack six and six wins in easy years because when a season like 25 rolls around and you hit the three and nine or the four and eight where's the proof of concept that that was a blip and not a return to form looking at a school like arizona that has historically done what syracuse has done which is reach a really high high like hello number 15 in the playoff rankings or whatever they are right now and then they follow that up with multiple no bowling seasons like that is what we're trying to avoid here and i think that this is a great segue into the conversation of like who is going to be the man tasked with navigating that and the answer is we don't know but it appears as if we're starting to get some clarity on the names that are being thrown around. So Wildhack had a press conference earlier this week where he discussed some of the things that Krishna talked about earlier, including the seven and five benchmark for Dino. He mentioned some qualifications that he would like to have in his next head coach, which included uh, Northeast connection of some sort, previous head coaching experiences. Uh, but if not, a previous head coaching experience, a power five coordinator would be the way to go. And since that press conference, the short lists that were thrown out that we talked about last show have been narrowed down a bit. Um, Per some reporting from football scoop, it appears as if Dan Mullen is one of the names highly in contention um, their specific reporting was refuted this week by Nunzio during his post-game press conference. So take all of that with all the grains of salt that you want to take it with. Which he's not going to confirm anything in a press conference anyways. So, 
No, but it is like the level of like he didn't say no comment or whatever he said. He just flat out said that it was not true. And so now you start playing the game of like, okay, who's lying here or who got fed false information or is Nunzio? Anyways, there's there's a whole lot of incentive for everybody here to say what they said. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where he might not have been at practice, but he could have been in the dome in a box or something. Who the hell knows? Like there's there's nuance and stupidity with all these things. So, yeah. And and I think the other name that we're seeing around, as Christian kind of mentioned with the Holy Cross stuff, is um, Chesney over at Holy Cross is a name that makes a ton of sense considering where John Wildhack was previous to Syracuse. He was in Chesney's footprint. He probably knows him from the high school recruiting circles uh, over over in the Northeast. And I think we all made the assumption that Sean Lewis and Tony White are probably on the short list. Um, Split Zone Duo on their um, Substack subscriber uh, coaching episode, without getting giving away too much there, um, did speculate that they they were making assumptions that Sean Lewis was going to get a call, even though they did not expect him to um, be all that interested in the job offer. So the name Sean Lewis and Tony White also makes sense in this conversation. For me, I have some pretty. Yes, exactly. Uh, you at least bring them in and see what their binder says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I think for me, I have some strong opinions on the names that have that I just mentioned and some of the names that weren't mentioned here. I know Christian has strong opinions. Before we let Christian and I get into our why we really hate everything that we've heard so far or haven't heard so far, we haven't heard from Steve yet on this because last week he joined the party late and missed this part of the conversation. So as the former quote unquote football player, as the guy who has watched this happen more times than Christian and I have happened, hashtag Steve is old. What, what's your vibe take feelings on how this has how this has unfolded who okay um how to unpack this i i like the fact that SU is decisive i like the fact that they actually went out and made a move uh which is something past iterations of syracuse would not have done um i don't know I mean, we don't know what happened with, you know, coaching or not coaching or whatever, but that is what it is. I don't know if I love any of the names that have been tossed around. I also don't know if I would absolutely hate any of the names that are tossed around. Um, It's much like this season. This coaching search is weird as to who's out there, where the dominoes are going to fall, how much of a risk people want to take how much of a risk the fan base is willing to accept and uh, an actual understanding of where this athletic department and this football program fit in the pecking order. Like uh, do, is there any reasonable feasibility that Syracuse is a top 25 program for the rest of time? I don't think so. I think people need to be realistic with the current landscape that we will spike into the top 25 if if we get to where we want to be. We will spike into the top 25. We will fall out of it. We will have three and nine seasons. But in general, the goal is to put the program in a place that is over 500 consistently uh, and, you know, bowling and competing on occasion for, uh, you know, uh, the top spot in the, like, not even a top spot in the ACC because like the, the realistic chance of us competing against the Clemson's and Florida States is not there. Uh, do we find another coach that can do more with less ideally, because that's what he's going to have. I don't care how much we pump into this program or what we pump into the facilities or what we pump into recruiting or NIL or any of this we're not going to be able to keep up with the Joneses. We're already behind the eight ball far enough that that ship has sailed. Um, the The question is just going to be, where do we go next and what do we want to accept? And I don't know where we stand and what we want to, or what we 
what the university wants to accept. Um, I feel like I've said a lot of things that, uh, in general, at this point, it's dumb to say, but I'm just along for the ride. Like, I, I've almost, it's not apathy. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to continue to watch and I'm going to continue to do whatever and I'm going to continue to talk about this week in, week out. But it's like, where do we land? And and in all honesty, if they make a home run coaching hire, it could change that feeling and it could change that uh, you know, mindset. But at the same time, like there's the, the realistic feeling of where SU sits in the current landscape and the realistic situation that we're in. I don't know. <laughs> you know what Syracuse is right now? Because we are a soccer podcast as well. Syracuse is Leicester City right now. Okay. Had one good year. Was pretty mid. And then got really, really bad. And so Syracuse needs to get back to being really mid. And Mm -hmm. like Leicester City is obviously dominating the championship right now. Will probably and will most likely get promoted back to the Premier League. And so Leicester City's goal is not going to be go back on that miracle run to get to the top of the Premier League once again, like they did all the way back in the mid-2010s, whenever that season was. Their goal is going to be a solid mid-table team. And that's what Syracuse's goal is now going to be, once again. We're coming full circle because we are... What Syracuse needs to be is John Casillo's West Ham. Oh, God, no, yeah. You're Mm. right. Oh, no. We need to be that team that's floating and I think... in Europe in spikes every once in a while. I think I think I took Christian to your point. To, so I just looked on the athletic um, because uh, Mississippi State has just hired Jeff Levy, who is the OC at Oklahoma, which is a potential landing spot for Sean Lewis. So there's the dominoes are starting to fall now, where Syracuse is no longer the only opening. Um, but with Elko going to Texas A&M, they updated their like best head coaching openings. Number one is Texas A&M. Number two, Duke, who's now on this list. Number three, Houston, because our old friend Dana Holgerson got fired. Oh, good old Dana. Number I, four. Is, I, mean, is, I just remember Dana Holgerson had a job. So. <laughs> <laughs> Number Isn't four. Like all West Virginia coaches, you forget they exist until someone mentions their name. Until someone burns a couch, and here we are. Yeah. Until yeah, Neil Brown still has a job, weirdly. Oh, um okay. Mississippi State yeah, is number four. <laughs> San Diego State is number five because Brady Hoke retired. Number six is Boise State. Number seven is Oregon State because Michigan State hired Jonathan Smith away to take over their tire fire of a program. Um and reminder, Oregon State doesn't have a conference for next year. Uh number seven is Indiana, who fired Tom Allen. Sorry, Connor. And then number eight is Syracuse above New Mexico, UTEP, and ULM. Um, being, my, the bottom, my po- being the bottom of the bottom five power tree is should be a telling sign for Syracuse fans who want to make a big, big hire. And this is my point to to what you said, Christian. I think I think you hit the head you hit the nail on the head in a really in a really succinct way. Like being consistently good is really hard. One of the things that I think Dino nailed was the rhetoric around being consistently good and uh, not occasionally great. The problem is that he never put that into practice and he never coached or did any of the off the field things like he was trying to be consistently good. He always took the opportunity to spike for occasionally great instead of establishing the foundation necessary to be occasionally good or consistently good. And I, I think what, my, what I really want is a coach who has proven to win and run a program well in the 40 hours a week that you get guys off the field because Syracuse is never going to roll up to an FSU, to a Clemson, hell to an NC State or even to a Pitt in a lot of years with the on the field talent and coaching resources that will allow you to play that in a vacuum to win that game more times than you lose it. 
So how do you take advantage? How do you become someone that is able to consistently win those games and be consistently middle of the pack of the ACC, consistently, you know, a hard place to go and play on the road, a place that no every time that the schedule comes out and you see Syracuse is on there, you don't circle that game, but you make note of it because if you're not 100% going into that game, you're going to mess up and they're going to take advantage. You do that by winning every single second off the field that you have allotted to you by the NCAA rules. That's having a nutritionist, you know, more for more than one year. That's having a strength and conditioning program that is the preventing the conditions. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's it's having that did not work. <laughs> is it an invest, is it investing in indoor grass growing lights? It's it's not practicing on a indoor practice facility that's not used half the time because it, it's not big enough uh, for all the things that you need to do to run a, you know, a hundred person practice unit, because that's what a practice is at the power five level. You've got 85 to 95 players and a whole bunch of staff. It's probably 120 people out and there at one practice. point in time. And that indoor practice facility is being used by a program that is and it has a lot more illustrious reputation at the exact same time, and it is in season. Yeah. So, like, my point is that, of course, Syracuse is not set up for success, and they're trying to change that. But we are never going to talk about Syracuse as having top 25 facilities in the country. We're never going to talk about Syracuse having top 25 budget or NIL or donor bases in the country. But Syracuse can win enough without all of those things if you have somebody in place that's coming in and saying, like, this is how this is how we do things here. And this is how we coach. This is how we recruit. This is how we develop talent. This is how we do this within this constraint. Instead of I I understand why Dino did it, but like going up and and go taking a press conference to complain about not having enough money to keep your depth means that you're trying like it, it just brings me back to the money ball quote from the movie like if you try to beat the yankees in your decision making process you're gonna lose to the yankees out on the field because they can just they can throw money at the problem and break the game that way like you need to be playing an entirely different sport than what everybody else is doing if you're going to be successful at syracuse and that's really hard to find in a head coach but they exist out there. Like look at what Mark Stoops has done at Kentucky, which is a very similar program to Syracuse in that it borders a lot of very rich recruiting areas that they are not the dominant team in and they are the second fiddle on their own campus. But Mark Stoops has found a way to consistently go bowling in the SEC in the same division as Georgia. Like, I don't know if he can do it there. Somebody can do it at Syracuse. You just need to find the right guy and finding like a flashy name. Isn't going to be the way to do that. Okay. Can we talk about who we think that wrong guy is now, please? I mean, it's I'm, I am just the Dan Mullen thing will, will throw me into a deep dark spiral. I already got into this. There's a, a hundred text thread. And um, so but for peek behind the curtain, Christian and I both know Evan Weston, Newhouse grad, my class, 2015. Great guy. He is currently in Japan enjoying a nice little vacation with his wife. Very well deserved. Oh, right. However, I forgot about this. Oh, no. We blew up his spot at like 4 a.m. Jap- Japanese time with a 100 message group chat argument about whether Dan Mullen was a good fit at Syracuse that he read every single message of. Which is just true elite sicko behavior. Yeah, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> um, I guess I guess the question that I have for you, Christian, is like I think we're both aligned that Dan Mullen is not the guy that we would like to see because there's nothing in his resume that makes me think that he can do the things that I just talked about. Jeff Candle can. And and so can uh, Jeff Munkin over at Army, who gave Syracuse a hell of a game this year. And yet neither of those names have appeared on the list. And and to me, that is confusing and frustrating. And I sense you feel the same the same thing. Yeah, because Candle would be my number one. All things considered, um, it's either for me, my top two are Tony White and, and Candle. And Jason Candle. For Jason, yeah, it is Jason Candle also um, kicking off. 
AD getting names wrong again. Yay. Um, Time-honored tradition. Time-honored tradition. Yes, indeed. To be fair, Um, Jeff and Jason are basically the same name. That is indeed true. Uh, like because like how Steve and I can't tell Clausen and Dorian apart from each yeah, other, yeah. so you know close enough. Um, I, if you want the guy with that, if you prefer the guy with the head coaching experience, go get Jason Candle. I, I think what he's done at Toledo, I mean Toledo's fuck, Toledo's having ranked for for Christ's sake. Like yes, okay. If you really want to build a ranked program. Oh. I would have taken the F bomb for that. That would have been fine. Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Toledo is ranked. Okay, like there, this is, he, he's done that for many, many years at Toledo. And unless something has come out specifically that said Candle wants to stay in Toledo, which I can actually see because he's had these type of offers before, uh, namely from the Michigan schools. Um, if he wants to, if he still wants to stay at Toledo, uh, then then fine. But clearly, right now, Tony White wants a head coaching job. And yes, he is. He has connections to San Diego State as well. That's going to be Syracuse's main rival, and getting Tony White is San Diego State. But what Tony White did with the defense, which before he came in looked. Abysmal. It cannot be overstated. And with the system that he put in, that, you know, now is continued under the person who taught it to him, this is the... I think Tony White can do all the things Andy talked about, which is build up a program with less, because he already did that with one unit at Syracuse. And... He also did it during a time where he even had less than Syracuse had right now because it was during the 2020 COVID offseason. And if he can do what Syracuse's defense did during that offseason, where it was not it was clearly not the defense's fault that Syracuse was losing those games, then bring the guy back. Well. I mean, that also requires him wanting to come back. This is true. Do you want your first head coaching stint to be a Power 5 school that you know what you're taking over? Now, that said, a lot of the people that would hit the portal may be retained if White is brought back. Something along those lines. Um, there's no, There's nobody on the current roster that has ties to Lewis, but you know, if you bring White back after a season away, it's like, oh, okay, you know, I still, uh, uh, you you also minimize a mass exodus. Um, and I think a big part is also you retain familiarity. You because do. you know he's going to play three three five, And from what we all know, like, let's talk to Josh Black, people at Syracuse like the three three five. Yeah. And he does. I mean, I think that (laughs) I think it's really obvious that like what I was talking about earlier in my very long winded rant, like what Tony White did with the three, three, five is exactly what you need to do. Like, let's stop trying to make square peg fit in round hole. How can we get a whole bunch of guys that are like being overlooked elsewhere? Let's get a defensive system that's based on athleticism and not size and, and filling gaps with your size. Turns out that, that like that worked out pretty good for TCU. Like they made it to a national title game. Like again, like this isn't the 12 team playoff is coming next year. And no, I don't think that it's like a net positive for like schools like Syracuse, but it just means that you just got to get into the top 12. You don't got to be one of the top four. You just got to get into the top. What we 12. Saw in the, it's what we saw in the MLB playoffs the last two years. The in, in the last two years, Wildcard winners have made it to the World Series. So you can make it to the big dance, to the finals, as long as you get in. Syracuse making it to the playoff would be national news. You would be able to do what TCU did last year and and fundraise for decades off of the fact that Syracuse would be able to say 
we made it to the playoff that one year. And again, all it's going to take is a, a 10 and two season with the right wins and, and avoiding the wrong losses. Like it's not going to be, you can do it pretty. There's a blueprint for it. The unfortunate thing is Syracuse is about 10 to 15 years away from that. If that is even at all possible. And so that's why you shouldn't hire a coach right now to hunt for that goal. You need to get, you need to get a coach that's going to put in the foundation of coaching and identity that Syracuse hasn't had. Like, um, it's something I have my eye on uh, Richard Johnson, uh, RJ underscore writes on Twitter, somebody who has been a Tony white fanboy in the past with Syracuse. Um, he's been tweeting and mulling about on the, on the split zone duo podcast about how he's working on an air raid has probably like, we've probably passed the air raid in terms of college schematics, both defensively and offensively that I am waiting for him to drop because I am all in on that. And it's just really funny that Syracuse went all in on an air raid adjacent coach, for the last, you know, however many years Dino was here. Um, it's, I think it's one of these situations where you've got to hire, you hire for process, not for blueprint. And I think that Christian, I'm, I'm with you. I think Candle is a guy who has proven to do that under with Toledo with multiple different scenarios. Yeah. He was winning at Toledo before NIL and transfer portal. He's winning with Toledo after NIL and transfer portal. Like that's the kind of recipe that you're looking for here. So I, yeah, for I, anyone who, oh, sorry, I was going to no, say ahead. for anyone who's at this point and doesn't understand some of what we're talking about, the two big names that have been tossed around have been Dan Mullen and uh, Bob Chesney from Holy Cross. And by big, I mean, just uh sheer volume of people uh calling out and uh, various sauces seeming to think those are the front runners um that said uh back to our regularly scheduled programming where christian was about to say something but um yeah i just wanted to make sure people actually uh understood why we were so frustrated with the current state of who we thought was going to be the guy yeah because i think andy and i I've made our top two clear. It's Candle and White. And like, go get one of those two guys. Like, those, um, and hell, throw, throw Sean Lewis in that conversation as well. Because those guys have proven that they can build, pro, they can build at least some semblance of a program with the resources that are similar to Syracuse's. I, Sean Lewis took the worst Mac program known to mankind that didn't even have a practice field and turned them into a consistent bowl team. Like I, I understand why he got out of that job to go work for, for Deion Sanders in Colorado. Um, but he is like, not the reason why Colorado lost out the last eight games of the season, last seven games. of the season. no, no, but like again, like to your point, Christian, like if we're talking about like guys who have proven that they can do it somewhere, like I think we kind of forget and write off like we, we're talking about Sean Lewis, the Colorado offensive coordinator. I am way more interested in call and in, in Sean Lewis, the former the former head coach, than Sean Lewis, the 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 former OC, which I think is where our headspace is at, but I wouldn't surprise me, like hypothetically speaking here, let's pretend that Syracuse does indeed have a press conference tomorrow and John Wildhack announces Sean Lewis as the new head coach of Syracuse. Does he spend five minutes talking about Sean Lewis's experiences working at Colorado under Deion Sanders and how he was part of the apparatus that put Colorado in national time TV time slots uh, every single weekend? Or does he talk about how he took a program in the middle of Ohio that has less than a million dollars in annual funding and turn them into a consistent bowl contender. It's the latter one, because like you said, wild hack wants a former head coach. Yeah. So, and like, I, I really hope that the deci entire decision-making process is being driven with like those North stars and not the, like we need a name to help rebuild NIL um, or, or something like that. And where do you think the actual uh, direction lies? I know it's going to be very. It's going to be very telling 
with whoever they hire. Yeah, I think that that's really quick. Oh, what? Huh? Oh, no, no I was going to say, I, no, I was yeah. alluding to rumor mongering. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's the thing is like, I feel like there, we had one big rumor in the middle of the week um, by football scoop. Um, and like, again, I'm, I'm not trying to denigrate their reporting. I'm sure that they had some good sources here, but it, it just felt like, they were taking a message board post and turning it into a, an actual article when in reality, like this has been pretty buttoned up. And I think that this is something that, that Kevin was talking about in our Slack channel. Like I was giving wild hack, a lot of crap online for hiring a search firm. Like you're a private university. What do you need? What do you need a search firm for? But I do think that this is part of the reason why is that there's a lot of things happening right now that, we are not privy to and is not and are not getting leaked to like a Pete Thamel or or to an a podcast or, or a sports blog like us. Like this search for the most part has been really quiet and buttoned up. And the last time that Syracuse went for a search, um, Mark Coyle didn't use a search firm, and we knew about the Josh or we knew about the Scott Frost flirtation and offer we knew about the chris ash flirtation offer and rejection we knew about dino babers pretty early on in the process that he had been interviewed and was a strong candidate for the job like those were all things that were widely reported by college football writers and in this case like we've heard nothing from actual you know like big college football guys at espn or the athletic in regards to where this thing is moving So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by that quiet. Moen. Please do not hire Moen. Oh, <laughs> uh, Steve, you know it's going to be fun time. No. What is the aversion to Mullen? Um, Florida is supposed to be a top twenty-five program. That's everyone expects Florida to be a top twenty-five program. That was very much not the case under Moen. I also think it's a fact that we're looking at a guy who was pretty consistently an eight and four coach in the SEC everywhere he went and did that all before Transfer Portal NIL and is on Twitter defending his resume by saying, well, Florida didn't have enough resources. That too, like. Buddy. If, if you think Florida, if you think Florida doesn't have enough resources, as, as wait until wait until you realize that Syracuse only hired a nutritionist last year, yeah. like, and, and and that and that you're not playing on natural grass. Also, if he was a good coach, he'd be coaching not in the booth. Like my analogy to my analogy to Dan Mullen is like, hey Mets fans, how you feel about Buck Showalter? Because it's basically the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but like I, I think we, I think we've kind of learned the TV thing is great at getting your name out there and and like making you sound smart when you get to you know sit up in the press box and pontificate without having any of your and with all of your analysis being with you know hindsight. Uh, but when you're when you're in the space, it becomes a lot more difficult. And not being around it, especially with how much the sport has fundamentally changed, is not a good thing. Um, and so, again, that's why I'm I personally am more aligned with like a candle or, or someone else, just because they've they've been doing it while the game has been really hard to do it. Yeah. And who thought that we were going to talk about basketball on this podcast? Nope. <laughs> uh, we got games for that's what we have James's podcast for right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so in, in all, if anyone's not aware and is not actively uh, following the or subscribe to our feed, uh, please do because you have twice the content that you could possibly imagine. You've got us talking football and general stupidity, and James talking basketball with various guests. So I mean, I'm usually on there. So well, fair. You're various. I am indeed various. It's you or you. 
But is he a variant? That's the question. I would hope not. I would like to figure that out pretty quickly. Uh man. So we're somehow at an hour, and I always feel like this. these are the shows that I wish we had 10 hours to talk about and rant about and pull out Steve's old Greg Robinson-era scars, um, because that's what really yeah, he's got. But that's all the time. Who was the boss to name their first head coach in EA uh, college football, Greg Robinson? No, he's Gerg. He would okay, be sorry. Greg Robinson. Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I cannot wait till that game comes out. Um, yeah, it's gonna be fun when all three of us are playing that game at the same time, and it's just gonna be. Oh man, that's gonna be some good off-season content. <laughs> they, if they have a combined uh, franchise mode, franchise mode, we have to pull this off. Oh, and, and so what we're gonna do is we're gonna create a three-team conference. Uh, Steve is going to control Syracuse. Andy's going to control Pitt. I'm going to control Rutgers, and we're going to see what the fuck happens. <laughs> oh, God. It hurts so good. If if that happens, I'm naming my coach Nard Dog. Uh... I'm probably going to name my coach Tommy DeVito. Just to stick it to Rutgers. Which, I was going to say, this is a great way to end the, the, uh, the Soprano theme. Mm-hmm. This is a great way to end this show because shout out to Syracuse legend Tommy DeVito tearing it up in the NFL. Should have never we been said, benched. We are, you, you know, if you would have listened to us, you would have known that Tommy DeVito was an NFL caliber starting quarterback. You could, you could have hear, heard it here first. <laughs> oh, that was a weird you season. Dino would still have a job if he never benched DeVito. Oh, don't give me an article idea for the off season, oh, Kevin. Don't make me write it. Are we are we doing a full blown what if series? At <laughs> yeah, Kevin I mean, Wall. I did, I did that. I did that like seven years ago, so it's probably about time to bring it back. You know, I think I did it when the what if series got announced, which uh, yeah would have been like seven years ago at this point in time. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, that was really dumb but of me. Uh, great, great fodder writing a thousand articles on a thing that never happened. But, you know, a thousand words on a thing that never happened. But, you know, mm-hmm. live and learn. Gentlemen, that is it for this week's edition of the Disloyal Idiots podcast, a Fans First Sports Nation podcast. Thank you very much to our friends at Fans First Sports Nation. Uh, make sure that you are following, subscribing to this show across all your podcast mediums. It, help us, it helps us trick the AI into expanding the Ottoman Empire and also helps us uh, continue to make this great show for all of you. Uh, thank you to our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. They are great. They are awesome. Use their Black Friday code. Use the Noons promo code. Uh, go buy all of the vintage, cozy, warm stuff, especially as it starts getting cold and damp and you just want to feel like a warm hug at all times while looking great. Uh, thank you to our friends at newsmagician.com. If you're watching this uh, or listening to this on newsmagician.com, we always appreciate the your support and following us over there. Finally, th- uh, you know, make sure you're watching us on Twitch. Thanks to the, the people who tuned in tonight and participated in the chat and, and hung out with us. Um, we do this every Sunday ish, eight ish. We have a good time with it. I'm sure that if there is a new coach announced this week, we will be doing a little bit of an extra show. Maybe we'll, we'll probably see how things fall. Um, but the Twitch show is where you can get this live and in your ears before anywhere else. Um, get it in your ear holes, uh, for Steve, for Christian, for myself, we really do appreciate the support. We thank you for sticking with us through another Syracuse football season. We can't wait to see where we're going to go bowling. Can't wait to see who the new head coach is going to be. And so in the meantime, as always, go Orange. Shout out to our nacho.